welcome back to the podcast. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at the letter of James. Now, we live in a world that tells us what to think day by day. Is that something a Christian should just live with? Well, James in this letter, he wants to warn us about double-mindedness, living as if we are a Christian and a non-Christian at the same time. So let's dive in and hear what he has to say. Back at the start of the last lockdown, we began our trek through the letter of James. And we actually started with the passage we have tonight. A smaller section of it anyway, only verses 13 to 17. But this evening we'll be looking at this section and seeing how understanding the whole of James helps us to make sense of it. Let me take us right back to the start of James as we begin. Verses 2 and 3 of chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. I take us back to that because at the end of this letter, James returns to it again. You can see that we're coming back to the idea because James says this in James chapter 5, verse 8. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Be patient and stand firm. That's what Christians are called to do. Not to go this way and that. Not to be double-minded, but to be single-minded. To stay on track. But there's been a development in James's argument since chapter 1. You can see where James is going at the end of James chapter 5, verse 8. What does he say? You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So why is it that we should be patient and stand firm? Well, it's because the Lord's coming is near. How often does Jesus' return come into your mind? We sing about it a fair amount. We have it read to us at the end of most Sunday mornings, actually. We might even have something on our fridge. But does that really make a difference? I think that Christians tend to think of Jesus' return a bit like they think about climate change. We know it's a thing, but it's something in our minds that our children's children will deal with. It's something that's going to happen, sure, but something like climate change. Jesus' return is something that is far off in the future. And when you think that way, well, it must have been even more that way for the original readers of James. But James wants us to bring it to the forefront of our minds because when we do that, it will change our thinking. It will help us to become more single-minded. It will help us to make the decisions about how we live in the here and the now. So this evening we're in James chapter 4 verses 11 to chapter 5 verse 6. Let me read the passage for us. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy, but you, who are you to judge your neighbour? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while 
and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will do live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. You see, in this passage, James gives us three pictures of what a far-off view of Jesus' return can do to Christians. What thinking that Jesus' return is true, but so distant that it doesn't concern us. And these three pictures are here to wake us up and to bring us back in line, back into single-mindedness. So the first portrait is found in chapter 4, verses 11 to 12. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbour? Can you see the forward pointer there? It's in verse 12. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. That's a future picture, isn't it? Judgment at the end of time. So what does it look like then to live like Jesus' return is not imminent? Well, it looks like self-promotion. You see, slander is something that was said that is untrue about someone in order to put them down. It's saying something for the express intention of putting yourself above someone else. It's a form of self-promotion. When we talk about forgetting Jesus' returning, we can also compare to the outside world. I mean, the outside world couldn't care less about Jesus' return, could it? And the further that you go from Christian thinking... Well, the more you see this self-promotion, don't you? Phrases like, uh, it's a dog-eat-dog world. TV shows where it's all about being more popular than the others. Even our politics today, it's all about promoting one over another. And James's point here in this passage is that the church should not be like that. You see it in the way he refers to the person being slandered. What are they? Your brother and sister. No, Christians are to be single-minded. Christians are to know their judgment day is a real and imminent thing, and therefore they should not try and nudge the true judge off his throne. Instead, they should realise that they're not the judge, and should love their neighbours instead. The second portrait James gives us of a Christian who forgets Jesus is returning is in verses 13 to 17. And I think this just picks up the idea of self-sufficiency. So let's have a look. Verses 13 to 17. 
Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes, all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. As I said earlier, we thought about this in more detail a couple of times during lockdown. But once again, can you see the future focus of it? It's there in verse 14. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. In the timeline of Bible history, all that is left is for Jesus Christ to return. Therefore, we do not know what will happen tomorrow. Perhaps Jesus will return and wrap history up. And so, what does it look like then to live as if Jesus isn't returning? Well, it looks like self-sufficiency. Don't presume in planning your life, James says. Remember that it's God who's in control of time and he's the one who controls what will come tomorrow. Don't boast in your arrogant schemes. Don't put I at the centre since you don't know tomorrow. When you next go outside, just watch your boiler steam for a moment. That's what James says we're like here. Here for a little while and then we vanish. Remember, Jesus is returning and live in light of that. And our final portrait is in chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. And I entitle this one, Self-Indulgence. James chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. James reminds us three times of the future in this one. Verse 1, misery that is coming on you. Verse 3, you have hoarded wealth in the last days. Verse 5, you have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. Don't pursue wealth over God, James says. Remember that Jesus is returning. Once again, let's just look at the world around us. That's something we see a lot of, isn't it? But James is clear here. Wealth will rot, moths will eat the finest of suits, gold and silver will be like rust. So instead, what's the alternative to that? Well, it's to put those things to good use. Moths can't get to your clothing if the clothing isn't in the wardrobe. Live like it is the last days. Use what you have, knowing it's not going to last forever. And the second half, don't use money to oppress. We've seen that the people in James's day had been driven out of their homes, scattered among the nations. Money would allow them to make something of themselves, to claw back the status they may have once had. But James says, don't do that. 
To do that is to be like a cow led to the slaughter. They may think they're getting more food than ever before. They may believe they're in paradise. But it's the day of slaughter. Verse 6 reminds us of examples in the Bible of those stronger, oppressing and murdering the weaker. Perhaps the story of David, Uriah and Bathsheba. Perhaps the story of Ahab, Jezebel and Naboth. Don't use your money to oppress, says James, lest you face the oppressed's Lord. So there you have it, three pictures of what it looks like to live as if Jesus isn't returning. Three pictures that show what it's like to forget that Jesus' return is imminent. Three reminders to live like Jesus is coming back. So, be patient and stand firm. Understand that Jesus is coming back and live in light of it. Thinking that way makes a big difference to our decisions, doesn't it? It will stop us from being double-minded. Should I try and build a big financial nest egg or should I use my money to glorify God? James says, remember, Jesus is returning and that money's going to corrode. Should I plan and scheme to be self-sufficient or rely on God's grace every day? James says, Remember Jesus is returning, because that's going to ruin your calendar. Shall I put others down and make myself a comfy spot, or should I love my brothers and sisters? James says, remember that God has the power to judge and to save, so don't shove him off his seat. Jesus will come back again, and that makes a real difference to the way we live. So let's pray that his return would be something that we truly believe in. Not something that we just nod our heads at, but put off like climate change. But instead, something that we truly believe will happen. And something we believe will happen soon. And let's get on with living like that. Well, hopefully that gave us some things to think about. Join us again next week. Hey, baby.